Coming up on Studio Berlin, a deal with the Taliban to end the war in Afghanistan became a lot more real this week after successful talks in Doha. We have made substantive progress for a peace agreement and an agreement on a roadmap for the political future of Afghanistan. But many Afghans oppose such a deal, especially women, who fear the Taliban will strip them of hard-won rights. Taliban said for the government, we want to join with you guys, but we don't want girls to study. And they said the girls just can study to be a teacher. They can be an engineer. They can be a doctor. Our latest episode on the consequences of a Taliban deal, up next on Studio Berlin. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin that offers an in-depth look at news events and how they affect our lives here in the German capital. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. This week in Doha, the Taliban agreed to in-depth talks with their countrymen to end the 18-year war in Afghanistan. American and German officials are pushing the Afghan sides to strike a peace deal by September 1st, so that Berlin and Washington can begin pulling their troops out of Afghanistan. U.S. Special Envoy Zalmay Khalilzad recently told television network Al Jazeera English that his talks with the Taliban are going well. We have made substantive progress for a peace agreement, which is assurances on counterterrorism that's important for the United States and the world, uh, withdrawal of uh, foreign troops, which is important for the Taliban, uh, inter-Afghan negotiation, and a complete, comprehensive, uh, permanent ceasefire. But many Afghans are alarmed by the prospect of the Taliban sharing power. My Afghan guests today will tell us why they are worried and whether a Taliban deal could lead to more Afghan asylum seekers coming to Germany. We begin with three young women who could lose a lot if the Taliban come back to power. They're visiting Europe for the first time at the invitation of the French government, and I am hosting them here in Berlin. These young women are Afghan mountaineers who were trained by and work for an American NGO called Ascend, which I've reported on for NPR and I'm writing a book about. They are an example of just how far Afghan women have come since the Taliban was deposed in 2001. Yeah, we've got the ropes to carry, uh-huh. and so we all take our turn. The young climbers were in the French Alps last month, learning new skills from British climbing instructor Rob Spencer. The last bit is the steepest. The ideas for the Ascend women to eventually lead expeditions in their homeland. One of the mountaineers visiting France is Hanifa Yusufi. Like many Afghans, she doesn't know her exact age because birth certificates weren't common when she was born. She thinks she is 24 or 25. Yeah! <laughs> Amazing! Look! Last August, her Norwegian guide used my camera to record Yusufi when she became the first Afghan woman to make it to the top of her country's highest mountain at 24,580 feet, or 7,492 meters. Summiting Mount Noshak, as the peak is called, was a major coup for the Ascend program, which has trained dozens of Afghan girls to become mountaineers, as well as leaders in their communities. The successful climb also empowered Yusufi, 
who is still recovering from a former marriage forced upon her when she was a young teen. Back in France, while she and fellow climbers Shogufa Bayat and Maria Mohammadi waited for a gondola to take them to the trail, the three brainstormed over how to make Afghan peaks more accessible to climbers. The conversation is one Ascend founder Marina Kilpinski-Legree likes to hear. She hopes the French, German and British officials and groups who arranged the Afghan Mountaineers' trip will do so again in the future for others on the Ascend team. It's a pipeline that we're trying to develop, and we're at the forefront of the mountaineering industry in Afghanistan, so we need to have Afghans who are suitably trained. And it can't just be a few individuals. It needs to be a continuous thing. It takes years to become really a, you know, an accomplished climber, and these girls are still, they're doing great, but they're at the beginning. But the young climbers worry a Taliban power-sharing arrangement to end the war in Afghanistan will force them and other Afghan women to give up their pursuits. Back in May, while leaders from around Afghanistan met in Kabul to lay the groundwork for talks with the Taliban, a few of the Ascend women met with me in the backyard of their compound across town to discuss their fears. Bayat told me she predicts the Taliban will force women like herself to wear the burqa if she works outside the home, while her colleague Farishta Ibrahimi says she doubts women will be allowed to work at all. Bayat and fellow Ascend mountaineer Mariam Mohammadi are in the studio with me now. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start with you, Mariam. How has your life changed because of mountain climbing? After I started mountain climber, uh, my life changed a lot. I was a shy person, but uh, after that, I find my self-confidence. And uh, now I believe on myself that everything that I want to do, I can do that. What is it about the mountain climbing that gives you that self-confidence? When we are in the mountain, there is no person to tell you what you want to do or what you should do. And you are free. And when I climb the mountain, I'm uh, feeling that I'm flying like a bird. Shagufa, you love mountain climbing too. But what do your older female relatives, for example, your mom or your aunt or your grandmother, what do they say about it? And the first, they don't like it. And they told me why you do, why you want to do mountain climbing. But I told them, I like this uh, sport and I want to do mountain climbing and uh, also I want to be the first mountain climber in Afghanistan because of that. Now they are as happy with my this work and they are supporting me. But it's dangerous too. It's very dangerous in Afghanistan. Can you describe why it's hard for women or for girls to do this sport? Uh, because it's not very common in Afghanistan. The girls should do mountain climbing or the another sport. It's a danger for them. And also, uh, the mountain climbing is very new in Afghanistan, specific for the girls. When somebody is know about you, you're doing mountain climbing, it's very dangerous for us. Maybe some bad people, they will kill us. Maybe they take us, like that kind of stuff, yeah. Mariam, do you think you could still be a mountain climber if the Taliban joins the Afghan government? Because you know there was a lawyer, Jirga, and they were talking about having the Taliban be in the government. Uh, no, I, I think I can do this uh, because the uh, Taliban said for the government, we want to join with you guys, but we don't want girls to study. If they don't want to girls to study, how they can let us that we're doing a sport in Afghanistan? And they said, 
the girls just can study to be a teacher, just a teacher. They can't be an engineer. They can't be a doctor. And you think if the Taliban comes back to power, what you're saying is you don't think you'll have the freedom to do what you do now. Uh, yes, of course, that when the Taliban joined with governor, we can do mountain climber. Shagufa, you think the same thing? Uh, yes, um, I love my country and I want to be in my country. And uh, we want to, the Afghanistan also, also should improve. We want to be a role model for another girls. And it's not very easy when the Taliban is joined with uh, government. So when you came, it was interesting. Uh, when you arrived in France, the Lyon police asked you at the border if you were planning to be a refugee. And you were asked that same question here in Germany by an Afghan woman while we were on the train. So are you planning to be a refugee? No, I don't want to be in a refugee. I want to be in my country and improve my country. And uh, I love to be in my country. I love my country. But if the Taliban comes to the government, will you have to be a refugee? On that time when I don't have any opportunity to do what I want to do, uh, I think, yeah, I don't have another way we will go to another country for living. I don't want to that people should kill me or they should uh, fight with my family. I don't like it because of that. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Thank you very much, ladies. This was really interesting, and I hope you enjoy your visit to Berlin. Thank you Thank so you. much. As we heard, these women are determined to stay in Afghanistan, but the ongoing war, frequent terror attacks, and economic turmoil have driven millions of others away from Afghanistan over the past 18 years. In Germany, Afghans make up the third largest group of asylum seekers. And the question is, will that number go up with a Taliban deal? And how are Afghans who do come here faring? More on this next on Studio Berlin. People are raccoon crazy on this island. On the next Radio Lab. He was a massive lobster in a teeny weeny tank. The lengths that people go to for the animals they love. I think he's cute, and I think I like it. A coffee cup with a raccoon on it, a snow globe with a raccoon in it. People rescuing large lobsters. I would have taken my husband's gun and I would have I would have shot. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> we were in coach. This lobster's <laughs> up in the first class. <laughs> That's on the next Radio Lab. Sundays at noon on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. I'm Warren Alney. On To The Point, America's housing shortage now goes coast to coast, and it's not just a local issue anymore. This is a historic amount of interest in housing as a national issue, and I think it's touching on some key Democratic constituencies, younger households in urban areas. Campaigns for the White House are taking Democrats where no candidates have been before. They're at risk of raising the wrath of the NIMBYs. That's To The Point at 6 o'clock on Saturday evening at 104.1 KCRW, Berlin. You are listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi-Nelson. We are talking about an international plan to end the war in Afghanistan that calls for reconciliation and power sharing with the Taliban. But critics warn such a deal could lead to an increase in the number of Afghans fleeing their country and seeking asylum. Among the Afghans most threatened by the Taliban returning to power are Afghan women. And my next guest is one who can speak to that from personal experience, Afghan psychologist Huma Sherzai. Also joining us is Kava Spartak. He's the managing director of a nonprofit organization in Berlin called YAR, which works with Afghan refugees. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Soraya, for inviting us. Thank you, Soraya. 
Huma, let's start with you. You were working with an international organization in Kabul as a peace activist working for youth empowerment in Afghanistan. And then you had to turn around and flee yourself. What happened? Uh, well, uh, the situation for uh, in Kabul for all uh, working people, I would say, but especially women, is very different as compared to working life outside Afghanistan. I can't compare with situation here or in other developed countries. Uh, well, it's clear for everyone. However, living in Kabul for about eight years and working for equality and women participation was not that easy for me. Uh, was it going to work? Were women, uh, especially women working for foreign organizations, was that were you being targeted? Yeah, I was also one of the survivors of those, I would say, random attacks or problems in Kabul city for all the people who want to come out every day of their home and they want to do any kind of work. I, I It's not basically related to any field or uh, however, being uh, working for international organizations make it more vulnerable, I would say. And I was pressurized both from my working environment and from the community I belong to. And that was the, the last option I had to to leave the country uh, in order to work and contribute a bit. Um, Kave, how does that compare to what you're hearing from Yar's clients, from the women? I mean, are, are they saying that Afghanistan is becoming a more dangerous place for women? So... Um the situation from women in Afghanistan has been worsening for the last couple of years. There is actually no difference between um, the 1990s and today. So Afghan society as a whole is pretty much uh, very chauvinistic and not necessarily uh, women-friendly. And if the society actually is not necessarily in favor of, of gender equality and so on, it is very, 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 very difficult for women to work there, um, uh, not even speaking about working, but to, to live in dignity. So so, so basically, uh, the Taliban may have left, but their ability to have the freedom to do or to pursue their own activities that they might want to pursue, that the law now allows them to do, you know, whether it's education or work or that sort of thing, that hasn't changed. So you have have Afghan uh, society still as restrictive as it was during the Taliban era. Exactly. For me personally, there is no major difference between uh, a Taliban-esque ideology and the ideology of, of people who are in charge right now, the, the so-called warlords or ministers nowadays. Uh, their ideology towards women's rights is the same as the Taliban ideology. So what we have right now is just uh, we have more media attention. We have, uh, uh, of course, we have more women participating in politics uh, as such, but also uh, we have visibility uh, in terms of media and, um, I don't know, TV shows and music and everything. But um, on a whole, an Afghan woman is not necessarily safer nowadays than she was before. What is your concern, um, Huma, if, in fact, the Taliban enter into a power-sharing agreement in the government? How is this going to make the situation better or worse for women? I mean, they, they have rights now that they did not have during the Taliban era, but as Kava noted, the actual reality of the society hasn't changed. It's still very restrictive for women. What happens if the Taliban come to power? I feel that there would be more restriction for women participation as we have experienced in past already. 
Well, that was pretty serious back then when they were in charge. I mean, women couldn't leave the house without a mahram. They had to wear a burqa. They couldn't work. They couldn't go to school. Kava, do you think it's going to go back to that if, if in fact, the Taliban come into the government? Or do you think that there's going to be a new and enlightened look by uh, the Taliban at women in society and their role? It's not necessarily a matter of sharing power with the Taliban and the situation of Afghan women might change. In my point of view, if there is a certain degree of peace and security achieved, this might empower Afghan women even more. Because what what we don't consider right now is the situation of the majority of the Afghan women who are in fear of losing their husband, their father, their son, their brother. And this situation has to change. Afghanistan for now needs a certain degree of stability and security and peace so that Afghan women can sleep well in the night and and spend the day in a peaceful country. And after that is achieved, maybe women can slowly empower themselves with within a Taliban government or not. I don't think that, that it's a matter of Taliban being in charge or not because their ideology within society is still very much popular. The burning question here in Europe, just to bring it back here, is what happens if there is, in fact, a Taliban deal? I mean, we heard from the two young women earlier, you know, there's, there's a great deal of fear about what happens. I mean, are we going to see an increase in Afghans who are going to want to come to Europe and seek asylum and, and, and a life elsewhere? The exit of, of so many people who have left the country in recent years is not because the Taliban are gaining more power. Not only because of that, it's because of the ongoing conflict, it's because of the insecurity and, and, and unstable governance, and also because of organized crime has taken over in so many f- facets of their social life. So um, for, the, for, the, uh, for the John citizen or Jane citizen, whatever, uh, once the situation improves in Afghanistan, they might return from the neighboring countries, but maybe also from, from European countries. Homa, I want to ask you, uh, do you agree? Do you think people will be going back if the Taliban come into a power-sharing arrangement? Maybe for a certain amount of people, it would be very difficult to survive there, like artists or peace activists, civil society activists. I think they would not agree with all the restrictions uh, bring by uh, what the new government will bring to, to them. So how are the Afghans who are in Berlin faring? More on that on Studio Berlin after the break. When you're playing a video game and you get knocked out, most of the time, if you wait a moment, you get another character, another chance, and sometimes real life is the same way. On the next Snap Judgment, Respawn. Storytelling with the B. Tune in to Snap Judgment Sunday afternoons at 1 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. You are listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. The forever war, as the 18-year-old conflict in Afghanistan is called, has led to hundreds of thousands of Afghans coming to Germany, including here to Berlin. My guests are Huma Shirzai, an Afghan psychologist, and Kava Spartak of YAR, which is an organization that works with Afghan refugees here in Berlin. So Kava, I'm going to start with you again now. Maybe you can explain for the listeners why Germany is such a popular destination for Afghan asylum seekers. I think one of the reasons is because Germany has one of the strongest economies in the world. 
like this is pretty much uh, obvious to also to the to the refugees who who are let's say on their route to coming to Europe. They're exchanging um, opinions and everything among each other and and say, okay, Germany has a strong economy and there is actually compared to let's let's say Italy, it's a, it's a better place to to be a refugee or an asylum seeker because your basic needs are being covered. Do you have an estimate of how many are in Berlin, like that your organization takes care of? The numbers uh, pretty much differ uh, uh, from year to year, but let's keep it around 15,000 people. And But our organization cannot uh, cannot counsel 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. But, but you estimate about 15,000 Afghans 15, are living Afghans, in, yeah. in Berlin. Homa, what is life like for Afghans in Berlin who've applied for asylum? I mean, do they have access to services? I don't see any difference for Afghans uh, from the other asylum seekers at the moment in Berlin. Kava, I see you waving there. Um, So do you have a different thought? I think uh, on a on a personal basis, how 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 a, a refugee or asylum seeker is being treated from person to person, there is I don't think there there is any difference. I would agree with Huma on that. But um, on an institutional basis, Afghans were treated uh, pretty much as uh, second class refugees from the very beginning. Unlike, for instance, uh, Syrians, uh, Iraqis, or uh, Iranians, they were not being given access to language courses and integration p- programs from the very beginning. Huma. The refugee policy of Angela Merkel has led uh, to many repercussions here in Germany. One of the things that's happened is that it's empowered nationalist movements and parties, uh, for example, Alternative for Germany, which has a very strong presence now in the German uh, parliament. And obviously, these groups have made their case based on an anti-refugee message. Do you feel that the attitude of Germans or people who live in Berlin towards refugees is not as receptive or as open and welcoming anymore? As I mean, is it something that's actually moving in a negative direction? Since I live in Berlin uh, in last two years, I haven't noticed any different behavior regarding nationality. However, one can understand the fears from both sides and um, losing control from... At one side, the refugees are very conservative. Not so many people are open to to be integrated fully in, in German culture. And from the other side... Of course, there are people who really want to to be in their places and want to keep their culture and their uh, their values alive. Do you notice a difference? Are you hearing from your clients, Kava, that that they're just not feeling as comfortable here as they perhaps once did? The numbers and the polls have empowered certain people to change uh, their rhetoric. In that sense, they're being racist more openly not only within their words, but also through their actions. On the other hand, what I what I appreciate a lot is that German society has reacted towards that. Many people show their visibility that they are uh, really anti-racism and they want uh, a pluralistic society and they um, actually counter this rise of the right. So um, as a German citizen as well, as someone who has lived most of his life in Germany, I'm, I'm in a way, I'm also happy about it because uh, finally I can visibly see how people are reacting towards racism in Germany. Do you think, though, that racism towards Afghans, that that might increase if, in fact, there is a deal that struck, the war is declared over in Afghanistan, the Taliban are the power-sharing arrangement, I mean, do you think that there's going to be pressure on Afghans who aren't citizens for them to go home? 
I am of the opinion that once a peace deal is achieved and uh, there is, let's say, a certain degree of peace in Afghanistan, um, there will be more pressure on the Afghan asylum seekers, particularly those whose asylum case has been rejected to return to Afghanistan. So, um, yes, yes, there would be pressure. So, Kava, it sounds like Afghans may face some hard times ahead here in Germany. In the meantime, the warring sides are expected to meet again in the coming weeks to hammer out details of their peace agreement. Human rights activists will be keeping a close eye on those provisions, including a Taliban demand that Afghan women's rights be defined within the, quote, Islamic framework of Islamic values. I'd like to thank my guests, Afghan psychologist Huma Sherzai and Kava Spartek, managing director of YAR, for being here today to talk about this important issue with us. Thank you. Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Tune in next week to Studio Berlin here on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM, where host Eric Kirschbaum explores Berlin's crazy housing market. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.